0: This podcast is brought to you by Always, Secret, Venus, and Walmart. Welcome to the Hungry Hearts podcast, a place for all of us to come and feed our souls. Hi, everyone. Amina Brown here. And this is Hungry Hearts, a podcast where we share stories told by an amazing group of truth-tellers from all walks of life who, in sharing their truth, empower us all. Now, I should caution you that today's story is a tough one. It puts us at the center of how Lillian Kamikaze survived the 1994 Rwandan genocide. Lillianne's story also puts us at the center of how it is possible to find the hope and inspiration to move forward after experiencing such an unspeakable tragedy. Listen with an open heart as Lillian unfolds for us how she faces the pain of great loss and discovers hope in the process.
1: 25 years ago, it would be pretty unlikely that you'd be sitting on this stage with me. Um, Is that right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So tell me what was happening 25 years ago. Tell me about young Lillian. Oh, 25 years ago. Uh, please don't do the math.
2: I was 10, so please don't do the math right now. So <laughs> just don't do it. I was a 10-year-old, happy with a family, with brothers and sister, and the mom and the dad and a everything. Um, and I have a, I had a beautiful life 25 years ago, but. In April of 1994, things changed. My world changed. The world literally came down on me where I witnessed my losing my family. Uh, in 1994, if you guys are not aware, I'm from Rwanda, and uh, there was a genocide, and I lost my family so I lost my brothers, I lost my mom, I lost my dad, I lost the, my loved ones, and my sister and I survived. It was a three months of running, trying to survive, um, hiding, and witnessing all the horrible things that humanity can do. It was more of, to me, that I couldn't understand that at 10 years old, and trying to survive at 10 years old, how, how, do you da- how do you do that? And my sister and I truly lived running, hiding in the bushes. So you can imagine it's, it wasn't the 10-year-old kid who wanted to play, who wanted to be with the family. And what crashed me was when I witnessed my uncles and aunties getting killed in front of me when I was 10. To me, at that point, I
1: shut down. You, you literally, inside you, you shut down. But how do you take the next step and the next step and, and, and find yourself here? I
2: found um I you know my friends my family now that I have they always ask me how do you do it I was able to find the light that the mom my mom had given me the love that what kept me going my, I mean I was the youngest of all the the five kids so I was spoiled I mean <laughs> let's be honest I'm I <laughs> you know and I got the love that I truly needed I, the love that I would never be able to that I want to share with the world, you know? And that kept me going. That kept me feeling like I can do it. But of course, there were hardest moments where I couldn't see the day. I couldn't find the step. I couldn't talk. There was a, a time where I could not talk yeah, because of the shock, because of the trauma. I mean, it, it was impossible for me. But there is that thing where you say to yourself, I have to keep going
1: in order for, to make a better life, right. or why did I survive? Right, but in those days when you were just getting stronger and going through the, the steps, how did you imagine that your, your life could potentially unfold? I mean, how did you be, get rescued? How, how, who, who came for
2: you? So after the three months of uh, hiding, the genocide ended and my uncle survived. And he came to look for me, to look for my sister. And when he found me, that was literally like, oh my God, that's my savior. Literally like being discovered by a search and rescue team
1: on the top of Mount Everest, (laughs) right?
2: Okay. (laughs) There is that. Yeah. Um, But seeing that person, because I thought everyone was dead you know, and I thought I was the only person. At that point, I had my sister. I had lost my sister. I didn't know where she was. So, but you find this person. That's where I say the light. Oh my God, the light. So I saw the light that moment. And, but let me tell you, it was hard after that because yes, I saw the light, but then it kept being harder and moving forward. How can I do that without my mom beside me? How can I do that without my brothers? And without my world, because my
1: world has been gone. The world that you knew had ended completely. Yes. So so from that point, your uncle came and got you, and you collected your sister. Yes, so we re- I, re- I reunited with my
2: sister a couple months after. And to tell you the truth, that was the happiest moment. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, because seeing her, seeing just her her, her full self, that she wasn't hurt, that she was there. To me that was the moment I was like, Okay, again, the second light, right? The second hope. And then it was another the journey. How do we move forward? I was still young. I wanted to live a life, but I didn't know how. How can you even dream? You know, they're like, Oh yeah, you can dream to be this. How can you dream after that? And that's where I felt like my life was ending truly that where i was like i told my sister i'm like i don't think there is any purpose there is no purpose for me in this life right and i felt like i wasn't doing anything in school i was doing great i was smart like like, i'll accept that but it was so hard it was a facade that i was showing
1: right right
2: and one day, let me tell you, the, the, again, so many lights and so many blessings. I, I, at that moment, I wasn't seeing God in those moments. Right. But one day where I felt like I was giving up everything, I sat down, I flipped on the TV, and I saw this woman on TV, Oprah Winfrey. And I was like, <laughs> who is that woman? But, but at that moment, when he, you know how she used to come out and say, hello? You know. First of all, I wasn't understanding what she was saying because I wasn't speaking English, right? So <laughs> I just saw
1: this gorgeous black woman with her like, arms open. And there yeah. you
2: go, right? And I was like,
1: oh my God,
2: who is this person? She would talk and I was like, I don't get what you're saying, but I love you. I want to see you. I truly, yes. And, and it was at that moment where I like, I can live. I chose to live
1: that moment. I chose to live. Oh my God. Unbelievable. So finally, you you decided that you wanted to come to the United States. So take me from there. Ha. It's another journey. (laughs) So after those moments of
2: wanting to live again, I started dreaming. Okay, people, you have to dream. There is a way, there is a beauty in dreaming. I don't care what people say that, oh, it's too much. No, you got to dream because that gives you hope. That gives you to the reason why you have to wake up in the morning. And I started dreaming. I was like, okay, what do I want to, my life to be? What, what can I do? I need to go and get an education. And where do I go? This is the U.S. I wanted to come to the U.S. Did I know anyone? No, I didn't. Did I um, speak English? No, I did not, for God's sake, I didn't. How was that going to happen? But having people who believe in you, I mean, I have my sisters, I have my cousins who has truly, truly believed in me and saw the best in me and said, yes, you can go to the US, and yes, you will, and yes, you will be successful. And at that moment, I was like, okay, I'm going to dream big, and I truly did. And I ended up here in 2000, in Seattle, of all places, people. I mean, How did you end up in Seattle? School. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I came to school, mm-hmm. and it was, I, I didn't speak the language. I didn't know anyone. I, it was literally starting all over. It was getting into this, how do you do it? But then I look back, I'm like, you're so resilient. You can do it. This is easy. You can literally
1: do anything. You can You're literally do You're the most amazing it. person.
2: And I told myself that I could do it because that was my dream. That was my but you dream. you didn't even speak English? I didn't. God, I, this conversation was not going to happen. My. <laughs> the first person who saw me is you know, one of my closest friends who's here. The first person who literally saw me the first day, and we're still friends after 12 years, who's truly has, like, I think she's the one who can witness that I was not speaking. I was like, whatever I was saying, it wasn't making sense. But I had to learn, because I had to go to school. I had to make a life. And that was my dream. That was my dream life.
1: And... Let me tell you that was another journey. I can only imagine that starting all over again reminded you of when you had to start all over again once before. Yes, I had to start over again but I, I think because I wanted it at that moment because I wanted
2: to start all over again and to have a life far away from what I had witnessed and to the the pain that I was carrying I needed to start over to, figure, to find myself again, to feel like, no, you own your life. Right. You own it. And you own your light. And I own my light. Um, so I didn't want the people who said, watch the way we're killing your family to win. And that's what kept me. I was like, I'm now going to let you win. I need to live. I truly needed to live.
1: So- I don't know everybody's individual beliefs about about the universe. I believe that the universe is the unseen order of things. And um, tell me about the unseen order of things once you got to Seattle. So what what did the universe put in your path? Oh my God, um,
2: <laughs> the rain. First of all, rain, the, the, the pouring rain. Let's be the honest. Rain. Um, the universe, the, the God has opened so many doors for me, had put people in places, people who love me and care about me. I went to school, and I was like, I need to get a job. But for that, when I was in school, I had the people who are right now here in this audience who carried me through, truly, to see me succeed. And I started a job at Starbucks. As a barista, yes, people, yes, it's Starbucks, yes. And, and what happened there? And th- what happened is another miracle. Because as I started working there, I met Howard Schultz. And the best human being hmm. I've ever met. Because he opened doors for me that I would never, ever Think they will ever close. He saw me and then he's like, guess what? Uh, Oprah is here. Would you like to meet her? And is this crazy? you remember the, the woman that I saw on TV, <laughs> like years ago, and she is in front of me? I died. I literally died. <laughs> let, let's be honest. I died. But that was the power of me believing in my dreams, that I didn't let anyone tell me that you can. You cannot accomplish this, and then you can't keep moving. And seeing her and thanking her of literally saving my life because the way I was getting down the hill by looking at that woman and feeling the love that I saw on TV, but also thanking Howard for making sure that I have a family that is right now here. Because without him, I don't think I would be having people like Gina, who's my precious person in my life, or Jen, or Linda, anyone who I was able to meet that has been into my life, and now I have a big family, a big family that cares about me, and fast forward, we, we remembered our 25th anniversary this year, it was the 25th anniversary, and I told Jen, I was like, I, I don't know, but I feel like I want to celebrate and But I also want to remember my family. And that was hard because each year, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to accept they left me. And I remember her telling me, you know, this is a celebration. You're being grateful to the family that you have. And you're thanking the, the family that has left. Because this is the new family. That's right. This That's is right. the new family. And... I was able to open my house in April, because it's in April that the genocide started, and I saw the beauty. I saw my mom energy
1: through the people who were at my house. Ugh. I saw the love.
0: And I that saw, love has
1: sustained you and, and has grown and grown. and. You've passed it to all of these people and, this, and your family that has become your family here. Yes. So I know that you've turned your heartbreak into fuel. And I know that you've turned your heartbreak into a way to, to live a purpose-driven life. So tell me about how, you've, how you now serve the community that you came from. So, I, you know, it was my dream to always give back no
2: matter how the situation was, I I always said, you know, when I have an education, I know I'm going to give back at the end of the day to the girls who were like me. So two years ago, I started a nonprofit, and I wanted to go back and help the girls back home, you know, who don't have an education, who didn't go to school and provide them with something that will help them move forward too, have an opportunity that I got. Right? That they don't have a formal education, but they can do it because I was able to do it. Right? And that helped me to understand there is a beautiful life outside of all the struggle that we go through. And the people who are surrounding us, the people who are with us, make that possible. And a couple months ago, I met a woman called Dr. Edith uh, Ever, um, and she wrote a book called "The Choice in Breast the Possible." She's an Auschwitz survivor, and when I met her, she it is powerful to see a 91-year-old who survived Auschwitz when she was 16, and then I tell her that I survived the genocide when I was 10. And that moment, it was so it was magical because how, how could we have met? Right, the shared, that you have this shared, shared experience. The shared experience. And she taught me something, to love myself selfishly. Yeah. It's not that you're selfish, it's not that I'm selfish, but to love yourself selfishly, because I needed to do that. Because no one else is going to do that. I needed to find myself again. I needed to love that little girl that lost everything at 10 years old and
1: to remind her that she's okay. She's freaking awesome.
0: She's freaking awesome. Thank you. Thank you. If you feel anything like I feel, just listening to Lillianne share her story with us, I felt like I was holding my breath for part of that time. Maybe you did too. It is amazing uh, and impactful to me to get to hear uh, Lillian's story, the really, really difficult things that she survived, as well as hearing the part of her story of where uh, her life is now, how she is taking her life and using her life to inspire other people I feel especially impacted by Lillian's story because I have been to her home country of Rwanda many times. And one of the things that's consistent to me from having been in Rwanda and hearing Lillianne's story is resilience. Uh, being in Rwanda is this experience of watching a people who have rebuilt so many ways. Uh, they have rebuilt their community and their country from such a terrible thing and Lillian said a lot of powerful things, but one of the things she said that really stuck with me is she said the phrase, start to dream. And with the inspiration of her mother's love and the support of her chosen family, Lillian started to dream. And her dream took her back to her home country of Rwanda to empower young girls there just as she had been a young girl there once too. So what about you? Where can you start to dream? How can you be inspired by the power of Lily Ann's story? How can you use your dream to help empower other people? And speaking of people who empower others, we are back next week to talk about partnership with soul-lifting music duo, Michael and Tanya Trotter, also known as The War and Treaty. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to subscribe, Rate, review, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check us out on all the socials at Together Live Events. And you can say hey to me at Amina B-E-E. On this episode of Hungry Hearts, you heard from Lillian Kamikaze, Jennifer Rudolph Walsh, and me, Amina Brown. Thank you to our podcast sponsors, Always, Secret, Venus, and Walmart.